I got love for you, man. You know what, I'm <laughs> what are we talking about? You know, I'm not here to start any trouble. I'm only going to say nice things about you from now on. I think you're handsome, and I think you're a wonderful host. I'm fat and I'm overweight. Just don't say anything silly. I was waiting for you to say that. I'm not laughing about it. You think this is funny? I take this serious. You know, I don't want y'all to take anything that out of context that I'm saying. He's very funny. He likes to joke around a lot. As a personality and as an entertainer, yes. This is going to be really quick. I'm not taking any questions. Go ahead and get comfortable. I'm going to talk for a little bit. You're listening to Cabby Presents, the podcast. Welcome, 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 welcome to the show. I'm your host, Cabby Richards, at the real Cabby on Twitter, the real Cabby on Instagram. I haven't posted anything good recently, but oh, I did. I saw the. Uh, there's a there's some some uh, like a lab in Japan that that created an actual transforming transformer, amazing. And there's also this. I'm gonna shout out uh, a dude named um, Daniel Freeman, who's an MBA student at Ryerson University here in Toronto, that made this video re- reenacting the 1987 NBA Finals with some kids from Kenya. Great video, and he's doing this uh, to raise money so that he can build uh, a court in this um, town in uh, Kenya for these kids. Best two things I've seen on on Twitter in the last little bit. Um, check those out. Uh, thank you for clicking on the link that brought you here. And thank you to those that subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or for those listening on YouTube or tsn.ca slash podcast. Big thank you to all of you. I hope you enjoyed today's show because I'm excited to speak with my guest this week. Um, as we, we, you know, we won't break into uh, pop culture conversations like I normally do. Um, and like most people, I like to hear a good story. And today, you'll hear several good stories and one great story. A Stanley Cup champion who grows the best playoff beard in the history of life is on the phone right now. If it's going to be an interview, I'm going to conduct it. So I'll answer my own questions, ask myself the questions, then give y'all the answers. We met back in 2006 during Carolina's improbable Stanley Cup playoff run, and he grew the greatest Afro-beard combination in the history of sports. And it was even more epic because his hair was orange. One of the funniest athletes I've ever met, Mike Commodore. Welcome to Cabby Presents. Thank you very much. I'm very, very happy to be here. <laughs> Dude, uh, do you have any photos from that time? Like, just like, just one of those photos where you're either sitting in your stall. I mean, I, I know you'd have the, the photo of you hoisting the Stanley Cup, but do you have one of those photos like that in a, in a moment of... of uh, either like laughter or or solitude with that that afro beard combination yeah i think we had a photographer going around like during that time and like uh i know i bought a bunch of pictures uh off of them at the end of it like during the summer and there were just some random shots like kind of throughout the the playoff series and, and into some of the celebrations and yeah, I know I have them somewhere, but I mean they could be in Columbus, they could be in Scottsdale, they could be in Florida. Wait, how many? Wait, wait, wait. Wait, how many? My, what's that? How many places do you own, dude? 
Like how many places? Oh, do I own? Yeah. Oh, I only own two. I own a place in Columbus, and I own a place in Minnesota, neither of which I go to anymore. <laughs> uh, then other than that, I just have storage lockers. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Got it. So, um, so where are you right now? Right this second, I'm downtown Hamilton. You're in Ontario. Hamilton, Ontario. Hamilton, Ontario. Which, which, unfortunately for, I guess Hamilton, Ontario, at times gets ridiculed. It has it has a bad reputation for the American homies that are listening to this, or people on the west, out west. Um, I guess if if it's uh, if you're in Vancouver, Hamilton is like Surrey, BC, or. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember what the Alberta equivalent is. My boy Dave Wilder told me once. It's a place like a little bit south of Calgary. That's just south of Calgary. Yeah, I think it's south. It's just a little grimy. But uh, yeah. if you're if you're an American homie, it's like it's like the Buffalo, New York of the United States. It's not quite the Detroit, which would be Oshawa, Ontario, but uh, <laughs> it's it's got it's got some character. So you're in Hamilton. Why are you there? I'm in Hamilton because. Uh I kind of, with this lockout going on, I figured I gave myself a couple of months. I was down in Florida. I had to take, take some uh, take care of some things down there. But uh, I kind of put a date as American Thanksgiving or December 1st where I needed to be playing somewhere if I wanted to keep playing after this lockout is over. Uh, so I decided, uh, I thought I was going to end up going overseas somewhere, but Hamilton ended up calling and they wanted a veteran on defense. They have a really young team here. So uh, here I am. I've been here since Saturday. I'm standing right next to the rink, right at the Sheraton. Uh, I, I got a I got a parking ticket my first day. Come on, are you serious? Like, where did you park? Like, literally next to the stadium, to the I arena? Went, well, I went and rented a car, so I'm mobile, so I can like go to Toronto and do some things <laughs> on my day off. And I pulled in to get a parking pass at the Sheraton because I was already checked in the day before. So I pulled it in front. I went in for five minutes, got a parking ticket out front of the hotel. Wow. And then yesterday, I was in there at a little mall, Jackson Square, that's like part of the hotel, kind of like you go up the back door. It's like, I don't have to walk outside to go to the rink. I just go through the mall. And I got my brand new iPhone that I had for five days pickpocketed out of my back pocket. Come on, are you serious? Yeah, it's been a tough start. But on <laughs> the ice-wise, the, the, ice the team, everything's good like that. I mean, live and learn. Wait a second. in the front pocket. Wait a second. How, like, did you feel someone bump you? I'm just, I'm just trying to figure out how. Dude, you're a hockey player. You guys have lower, you guys have larger lower trunks. So anything yeah. in your back pocket, you're going to feel like a hand going in I there. I know. I know. Unless uh, you're wearing some baggy jeans. Like, you're wearing some jeans that you bought in 1994 in Harlem, and the brand was Carl Kanai. Like, unless you're rocking those, how on earth did a phone slip out of your pocket? I don't know. I mean, I wasn't wearing those pants, and I wasn't wearing, like, the skin-tight Euro pants either, somewhere in the middle. Uh, but I don't know. I went to the pharmacy to get some NyQuil, because I'm going to need a lot of that around here. And I, had, like, <laughs> I don't even know what that means. <laughs> what, is that, what does that even mean? I mean, for sleep. When I want to get to sleep a little <laughs> earlier than normal, I slug a little bit of that stuff, and I'm out like a light. I get my good eight hours of sleep. Uh, I had a couple bags in my hand, and then I was walking, and I remember being like 30 feet, 40 feet from the hotel, from the back door, in the mall, and my hands were full, and I just sent a fax, so I had some pieces of paper in my front pocket, and I sent a text, and then I slipped them in my, in my back pocket, and I walked into the hotel, I walked upstairs, dropped my bags off, started putting the stuff away, went to send, like, 
grabbed my phone, not there. I tore this room apart looking for it because, you know, I lose things once in a while. Couldn't find it. I did the iPhone, like, you find my iPhone. I'm, I'm new with this iPhone. I only had it for a week, but find my iPhone online. And my data, since it's an American phone, you turn the data off. But if it was in the hotel, it would be hooked up to the wireless. So I was on my computer. My iPad was showing up but my iPhone wasn't. So somebody picked it out of my pocket in the mall and it wasn't connecting to the internet. And anyways, it's gone. Um, that, that, that's an unfortunate situation and an unfortunate sequence of events. But I stopped listening when you said facts. What is this? What is this? 87? <laughs> what do you mean you said the facts? The, the facts and email the, thing. What? That scan and email confuses me. There's no scanner around here. There's only a printer downstairs and then a fax machine behind the hotel or in the lobby, like behind the desk. So there's no scanning going on here. And that scanning stuff, I I, I prefer to fax. (laughs) You prefer to fax. You also prefer, like, when Cheers was on TV and on that that (laughs) Thursday night, the must-see TV, like a fax. I don't even think I've I've heard the word fax in... uh, like FAX since it's got, like got to be the early 2000s. Uh, well, I, I need to learn how to do the scan thing because if I would have scanned, then I wouldn't have had any papers in my pocket. If I would have just emailed it, and then I would have had my phone in my front pocket, and then my phone would be so with me now. Did you have to sign like you had to sign something and then shoot it back? Is that what it was? Yeah, like I was. Uh, yeah, I was doing like some insurance things. So I had to uh, sign okay. like for some disability insurance for while I'm playing down here. So I was like filled out the medical, signed the thing, faxed it out, put the fax in my pocket, and then before going upstairs <laughs> to my room, I ran to the pharmacy quick because it was quicker to do that. And then on my way back, iPhone gone. Oh, that's that. So, wait, do you have a pa- was it password protected? Yeah, it was pa- yeah, I had okay. a password on it. Like, oh, that's good. Yeah, it's not a big deal like that. You can just you can hit like from your computer, you can hit the erase the phone, you know, so whenever it connects to the internet the next time, whenever that is the whole phone erases. So, ah, okay. If somebody turns the data on or whatever, they're not going to know it's an American. I called it and it was ringing. Obviously, whoever stole it's not going to pick it up. I even tried like sending a message. You can do like a thing where you you type a message in on your computer. So when they check the phone, when they turn it on, or when they un- I don't know how it works exactly, but a message will pop up on the screen. And I, at first, I was like, call this number, and then I'm like, hey, wait, this is a thief that has it. So I was like, you know, offering like a thousand bucks to get it back because the phone from the States. And I, I know he's going to, if he goes online and tries to sell it, it's an unlocked phone, iPhone. So you can get a thousand bucks for it anyway. So I might as well pay and get that one back, but nothing worked. So no luck so far. No luck. Yeah. No, I've I've given up hope. I ordered a new one. This is, I mean, I mean, and then Christmas is like right around the corner and like, that's, this is a bad mood to be in. Like, you know, coming up to the, I just, I just I just saw this uh, video online, Ebenezer Snoop, that Adidas put out, and it just made me think of that. Just being a just being crusty as the uh, the holiday season approaches. Okay, I want to I want to get to Christmas stuff in a bit, but okay. as you're explaining the story, and and like, the, okay, this jumped into my mind. There, there's an expression in hockey, and and I'm sure you've been described as such for most, if not all, of your career. Now, like, I remember we spent an afternoon in Toronto at Gretzky's a few summers back. I think you were in town doing something with the NHLPA. And we were just, you know, we were just enjoying the summer. And we were going story for story. We just, you know, along our travels, you know, about girls and whatever. And, um, 
and and we'll get to that in a second. But it, it may have been like 2008 or 2009. And I'm not sure when this term was invented or where it came from, but it's embraced almost solely by the hockey world. And as you're telling this story about your phone, this totally came to mind. And I once heard Tiger use what? Sorry, Tiger Woods use it, but it, it's almost like exclusively a hockey thing. Now, now, I, and and the term is beauty. <laughs> yeah, that is kind of a big. It's all over Twitter. Yeah, the guys like saying that. Yeah. yeah, and it's and it's it's guys refer to other guys as beauties. What does that term mean to you? Uh, to me, I mean, I guess that means somebody uh, who likes to have a good time, uh, who's a good guy to be around. I guess I, I think just generally somebody that's fun. Yeah, that's uh. And, and and like I, I was, I think it's yeah it's it's like it's someone who's like has to to me, someone who has like a considerable level of like awesomeness whether it's like by being unintentionally funny or actually funny or like a total train wreck, uh, on 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 nights out. How how often do you think you're referred to as a beauty? Uh, I get it on Twitter once in a while. Yeah, I mean I've heard it a few <laughs> times. I hopefully it's not for being a train wreck too often. I mean I have in my moments, but. I've tried to limit the train wreck, but uh, I mean, I'm definitely not scared to have a good time. So you, I take it definitely as a compliment. Do you um do you remember like when you first heard that term? Because I'm convinced it's almost only a hockey thing. Even though Tiger Woods once said it, referring to a a reporter that asked him a question. I think it was maybe Tom Rinaldi or something. He's like, hey, "Tom, you're a real beauty, aren't you?" Or something something to that effect. But anyway, beauty for you. For me, I, I would say like in the last. Uh, maybe six, seven years. Yeah, I remember hearing it in Carolina. That was six years ago. Uh, okay, okay. I think I, uh, but it's kind of gained. I think it's gained a little bit more steam with the Twitter world since that's kind of come because guys love to hashtag that. And yeah, that's that true. Actually, that's true. So okay, so you've played with some legends in your career, uh, uh, Scott Stevens and Brodeur in in New Jersey. Uh, uh, Jerome Aginla in in Calgary, Rod Brindam, yeah. Rod the Bod, Brindamore in Carolina. Bod, yeah. I just talked to him the other day. Nice and like and like five Hall of Famers in Detroit: Lidstrom, uh, Holmstrom, Franz, and uh, yeah. uh, Datsuk and, and Zetterberg. Zetterberg, yeah, From, yeah. I mean, when you get traded around like I do, you're bound to play with some good players. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm just saying I'm, that. I'm just I'm just bringing that up because you've played with a bunch of different dudes and you've been in the room with so many different personalities. Now, from that list, who is the biggest beauty, Mike? Oh wow, God, that is a great question. Uh, from that list, like of guys that I played with that are really good players. Yeah, like who are like all either Hall of Famers. I think pretty much everybody on that list is a Hall of Famer. Maybe Rod Brindamore may not be. I don't know. But the other guys, I think, were probably Hall of Famers. Yeah, I think Rod should be. But, yeah, I hear where you're coming from. Um, God. Jeez, that's a great question. Do you want me to run through the names again? No, I think I got them. I mean, like Stevens, they... uh, Stevens and Brodeur, I mean, I I was there. But, I mean, I wasn't like I was best buddies. Well, Marty was great. Scott was Stevens was scary. I mean, he was a really nice guy. I liked him. We got along and everything. But, I mean, it's not like I was there for that long. Uh, God, who else? I mean, somebody that I would have, I don't know if he'll be, I mean, he, I don't, well, he's had, he had a hell of a career. Somebody that I would have loved to have played with when he was younger, when he when he was in Boston, would have been Glenn Wesley. Uh, okay. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, Didn't Glenn Wesley really... also play in, like, I feel like he played in Hartford. Or maybe not. Yeah. Did he actually? Glenn? Yeah. yeah, Glenn played in Hartford, too. Yeah, Hartford, uh, Carolina, and Boston. Uh, yeah, he never really opened up about his younger days, but I think there's a lot that went on back then when he was in Boston. <laughs> I think that's just what I think. He never told me anything, so I don't want to put words in his mouth or anything. But I have that. I get that feeling. Okay, so then, okay, so, okay, scratch that list because they're all because they're not not nothing about those guys jumps out at you that like they're either like super super funny or like unintentionally funny. There's not okay. So then, of the of the teammates that you've had. In your career, ten, eleven years, or whatever you're playing in the NHL, yeah. the the biggest beauty, according to Mike Commodore, is oh my God, you're putting me on the spot. Um, according to me, God, who's geez, without taking too much time to think about it, of all the years I've played, man, I mean, there's some good guys. Like, I mean, I'll just name off a couple guys that come to mind. Uh, Ray Whitney comes to mind. Nice. Ray Whitney's very funny. He's a good guy. I mean, he, he might even be sniffing out of the Hall of Fame by the time it's done. Um, who else? Oh, somebody just slipped my mind that I thought of, too. Uh, God damn it. Um, I'll, I'll stick with Ray. I'll go with Ray. I know that's a terrible effort. No, that's okay. Got, you, some, some, I got so many names I'm trying to think through here and so many teams that I'm trying to go through. <laughs> How many teams have you played for? Four? Five? In the NHL or, like, teams total? No, in the NHL. I think I'm at seven. Are you really? Seven, and it would be eight, but I never. I only warmed up once with Anaheim. I never actually played a shift, so I don't count that. But, yeah, I played with seven. You know what I, I heard recently? Um speaking of Anaheim, when the Devils beat the Ducks in 2003, you were gone by then from New Jersey, right? Yeah, I managed to show up right after they won in 2000, and I was traded before they won, the year, right the year, but the summer before they won in 03. Oh, yeah. man, they're just, they're just, life is just, just cheating you, dude. Yeah, I just managed to slip through the cracks there. <laughs> I heard that after the Devils won in 2003... There was, they did not have any alcohol in the dressing room for the guys yep. to celebrate with. So dudes actually had to, with skates on, climb up into the lower bowl and find like the one bartender that was still cleaning up and then get a bunch of beer and like in a, in a bucket or whatever and then take them down into the dressing room so the guys could have some drinks. I heard wow. that. I heard that recently, like within the last two weeks. Really? Yeah. Wow, I don't know. I'll have to find out about that. But yeah, I mean, it could be true. You know what? That actually just kicked off two names. You're talking about beauties that that I played with. Ken Danico. Oh, who was in New Jersey? Part. Right. Oh man, that, I would have loved to have played him in the late '80s and early '90s. <laughs> and Randy McKay. I don't know. I heard Randy McKay's. I think he's in. Uh, I think it's Houghton, Michigan. He went to school at Michigan Tech, but he played a lot of years with Jersey. Uh, won at least one Stanley Cup. Uh, he's a great guy, too. Randy McKay yeah. and yeah, uh, those were two Ken older Danico. Guys. When I played with them, they were mid-30s. Uh, yeah, they were great. Ken Danico was my first D partner. He was the man. So, like, I, I imagine, like, obviously the generations are different, and guys could probably, I mean, there's a little more wiggle room probably in the 90s than in the 2000s, and certainly more so than now. Um, 
do you, how much has it changed like socially and like how like and and how much guys can you know go enjoy themselves or whatever whether it was you know gambling on the plane or just like you know golfing or or just like nights out on on long road trips from say when you first got into the league and then like the last couple of years yeah i mean i think i think the biggest thing is just you know the amount of the amount of training and, and what guys do now to prepare for a season. I mean, the amount of training, I mean, you might work harder in the summer than you do during the season. So like that, the amount of training and, and the, the amount of stuff guys do now and, and what's expected of you when you show up to training camp. I mean, I think, I mean, when I started, it was still, when you got to training camp, you were expected to be in shape. But from what I've heard, you know, before that, you know, early nineties, let's say, you know, training camp in the eighties, training camp was more, obviously I wasn't a part of it, but it was more, you know, you, you came to camp to get into shape and not show up to camp in great shape. So, I mean, there's a lot of training. There's so much extra, you know, I think that's the biggest thing is, you know, there's so much extra stuff that goes into it now, whereas back then I don't think there was quite as much. So that leads to more time for, you know, going out or whatever you want to do. But I think, I mean, as far as like cards and stuff on the plane, I mean, that stuff still goes on. That's still part of it, but. I definitely think, you know, with people are a little bit more aware of, you know, picking your spots as far as when's a good time to go out and when is. And I know I'm more aware than when I began. <laughs> I, uh, um, okay, I want to get to, I, I want to, I don't know how many stories you have, but I want to get to one just after this. Now, just talking about training and stuff, I have, uh, I'm a salt guy. Thankfully, I'm not a sugar guy because I would have like type 3 diabetes for sure. And I would weigh 400 pounds. Now, like a basketball dude that's trying, you, you mentioned like, you know, training camp would be getting back into shape. Now, a basketball player who plays for the Clippers, Lamar Odom, is in that sort of, he's right now he's trying to get in shape. He spent most of last season in Dallas and just had some personal things goes on, going on and he just gained a bunch of weight by eating like, I don't know if it's Skittles. He eats some kind of candy. Uh, just hammers him. Yeah, oh, just just kills him. Out like uh, my friend uh, Justin, we were at the Grey Cup here in Toronto on the weekend, and he was enjoying himself with some, you know, with some mixed drinks and stuff. He's drinking vodka crayon. So crayon got a ton of sugar in his back pocket. My dude had a bag of gummy bears or like or like sour cherries or whatever. Like just and uh, and recently uh, a friend of mine in Winnipeg just tweeted. Um, that he wished they they made a Jack Daniels flavored type of lip balm. Ooh. Yeah, which would be just deadly. Oh so man, this guy might want to. guy might want to ask for some help. <laughs> Jack Daniels flavored lip. Yeah, balm. like you just be licking your lips like friggin' LL oh. Cool J all the time. Uh, <laughs> if if you could have your own signature flavored of lip balm, what would it be? Mine would be grape. I'm sure they make grape, but mine would be like that. Um, like um. Uh, remember Jolly Ranchers, like the Jolly Ranchers yeah. grape. Oh yeah, yeah. I just had a few of those in Tampa. Jolly Ranchers. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a bag sitting there. I was crashing at uh, Teddy Purcell's place for the last couple <laughs> months, and he had a bag of them up in his uh, in his cupboard. So I would pick on those every once in a while. There's a bunch of grape ones in there. Yeah, those are good. Uh, lip balm for me. You know what? I mean, as far as like a, I, I'm not really a sugar guy either, but a treat that I do like. Uh, I don't mind hammering Twizzlers once in a while. Really? Yeah, I'll, I'll crush a bag of Twizzlers every once in a while. I feel like Twizzlers, like licorice, is like a, a like a candy from like the 40s. 
Like it was, it's been able to maintain, but that's not that's like licorice can't be in anybody's top ten sweets. Like, you don't think so? No, nah, I don't. Like maybe, but like licorice is like, like I'm sure our grandparents they would like oh go get buy licorice for like a penny, like a bag of licorice. They have like, been around forever. Yeah, I like it's that. I don't I don't know if it's it's almost kind of like a timeless candy, but it's like it's no one's favorite. Like I'm shocked to hear you say lick like Twizzlers. I think it's because I, I, I like the flavor, but at the same time, as far as candy goes, like it's not, obviously it's not good for you, but it's not terrible for you either. If you have to eat candy, that's not a bad option. So I think I'm trying to pick something in between. Otherwise, I'd be 242 if I was just, or not 240, about 340 <laughs> if, I was hammering, if I was hammering Skittles or whatever Lamar Odom he, yeah, to it, eat. He, like, it's just straight candy. And like... And that dude was like six eleven, like a dollar eighty five, like just all just skin and bone, leg and limbs. And is now he's he, he, is he married to one of those Kardashians? Yeah, he's he's mar- he's married to the third one. Oh, they're man, like actually, I that. in fact, I should almost call her the fifth one because, like, the original three, she was like third on the depth chart, but like the two young ones are like going to be legit. So like they almost they get bumped up. Because yeah. uh, they're dra- they're gonna they're draft years next year, but they're already higher on the depth chart than Khloe Kardashian. So yeah, she's almost like I, she's like yeah she's she's like the fifth one. So Her, he could have done. He probably should have done a little better for himself, huh? Well, he well, you know he yeah you know I, she's probably super nice. And, yeah, yeah, she's probably just a real sweetheart. Yeah, and I, just, don't, I don't really follow the Kardashians or whatever it's called. I don't watch any of that reality TV because it makes me sick. Yeah, uh, you and I but, both. Yeah, but from what I see, I'm sure she's just a real treat to be around. Now, I'd like you to do me a favor. Um, sure. I, I I thought of while you were um, uh, explaining, uh, you were talking about Ken Danico and uh, Randy McKay, Glenn Wesley, the guys of like Jeremy Roenick's era. He just released a book. I can't remember what it's called, but heard about that, yeah. Yeah, but he's like he's like a great storyteller. I've never I've only met Jeremy Roenick once. He's not really of my generation. You're a more of my generation, and I and I consider you a great storyteller. Um, I'd like you to tell the the North Carolina baseball team story. The North Carolina baseball team and how I became a booster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. I haven't told that one in a while. Well, I mean, I'm still single now, so obviously I was still single then. And, uh, you know, I was new in Carolina, and I I moved there, and I was new to the city, didn't really know anything about it. And as I got going, you know, one thing I do enjoy, I like baseball. I like watching baseball. You know, I watch the Jays. I I pretty much, whenever I go to a new city or whenever I'm traveling, if there's a baseball game going on and I haven't been to the the stadium or whatever, I'll go watch the game because I like going to those different places. I think it's nice. It's something I like to do. So anyways, when I was in Carolina, I had lots of free time and I was looking for things to do. Uh, so I decided, you know, NC State was right there. That's It's kind of the tri-college area there, tri-city area with Durham and Chapel Hill and, and Raleigh. Uh, so I figured I'd start going to NC State games. And I went to a couple of games and I had a really good time. And, you know, a couple Wait, of were you, couple were you were you rolling solo? solo? Or you did you have oh, yeah, a couple nine, of yeah. nine, uh, I would say probably out of ten times if we were doing this out of ten, I'd say, and I went definitely ten times. I'd say seven or eight out of ten times I'm solo. Yeah, okay. this time I was definitely solo. So the first couple times I go, I don't know anybody there. I'm just kind of sitting in the stands watching the game. And then as I'd been there a couple of times, you know, there wasn't a ton of people there. 
I would meet a few people. And so by about maybe the third or fourth time, we had a day off the next day, nothing going on. It was like an afternoon game. And I went to the game and showed up by myself and uh, ran into a few of the parents, parents of the kids there. And they're like, oh, you know, with these college things, they would have like tailgating is basically what it is. Now, it isn't the same thing as like tailgating at a NC State football game or a Michigan football game or something. You know, they're not that many people, but it's the same idea. So he's like, hey, why don't you come out and, you know, you want to grab something to eat? So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm starving. So I went out there and I started hanging out. It's before the game and have a couple, you know, burgers or whatever. And there's a few drinks and they got all kinds of drinks going on down there in Carolina. So I started getting into a few. I got nothing to do the next day. So I'm like, oh, what the hell? I'll take a cab from here and, and figure it out. So I ended up, fast forward, I watched the game. I'm basically I'm running in and out in between innings, grab a drink, watch the game, grab a drink, watch the game. Starting to get a little chilly. By this time I've had I don't know, minimum twelve <laughs> at least. And I'm cold. All I got is a t shirt on and shorts and flip flops. <laughs> okay. So there's nowhere to shop. I'm on campus, like there's nowhere to shop around there. So I end up looking around and you can become a booster. So I figured at the time it was a great investment, so I donated. I went up to the, the table. I donated $1,000 to the NC State Booster Club for the baseball <laughs> team because, A, I like baseball, but as a result of getting that was like the highest package you could do. So for 1000 bucks, I ended up getting a sweatshirt, a golf <laughs> shirt, a hat, a pair of sweatpants, and I got my name on a brick. So I actually think that ended up, I, I, don't, I haven't been back there since my name. I know my name's on a brick somewhere. Uh, but I haven't been I haven't been back since they put it in. So when, once I'm, I get some free time, and I got to go make sure my bricks there. It was, it was a great day. I ended up, I mean, decked out. I mean, I looked like I was part of the booster club now, and I ended up, you know, I was still pretty young back then. I ended up going out and out on campus all day and all night. It, I had a hell of a time, to be honest. That's uh, I didn't know. See, I didn't know the booster part of that story. I think that's hilarious. So it's like it's almost like. It's almost like you got duped by like a stripper in a strip club. All of a sudden, a thousand dollars out of your pocket's oh, yeah. gone. And in a strip club, you don't even get a T-shirt. But it's like no. you paid you paid a thousand dollars for an outfit, with yeah. basically a sweat you an outfit that would cost you like seventy bucks at Old Navy. Oh yeah, no, they. I mean, they they came up and I, and yeah, they they saw me coming. They had <laughs> all the levels. I mean, I could have donated like fifty bucks and got a hat, but that you know i was like you know i like the baseball combined with me being cold and then the and being drunk like and being drunk yes drunk <laughs> definitely had a lot to do with it and the brick thing was kind of like the, the the final thing they brought up the brick thing and i was like oh you know i had a few drinks I'm like oh i get to put my name on the stadium i'm like oh that's great <laughs> see that that played to your ego like hey i could be part of like history like my name will always be on uh, this yeah. on this wall and that's yeah, how they like that's how they duped you something. i'm sure everybody when they go to watch nc state baseball games are looking for my brick <laughs> <laughs> now the part of that story that you told me that that i'd like you to tell was when when you said we were talking about parties when we were talking on this particular day okay. and you said cab one of the best parties i ever went to was uh the nc state baseball team had a dorm party oh and they God. had the entire dorm like oh, they like they ran yeah. the dorm that's the story i'd like you to oh, tell. oh that's what you were trying to get at yeah 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 okay no i remember that that was a different day that wasn't the day i was all i'm pretty sure it wasn't the day i was all dressed up that time i was with I was by myself, 
same idea. You know, I went to the baseball game, had a few drinks, <laughs> too many drinks. Then I ended up going with the guys on the baseball team. They said they were having a party after. It was like a Friday, Saturday or something like that. So I was all for it. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, you know, I think I was 25, maybe 26. So, I mean, I'm pushing the limits a little bit of college parties, but I could still get away with it. Of course. And, yeah, so I ended up going over. They had, uh, it was a big dorm where it was almost not a motel. I don't want to say a motel, but, like, the doors were all, like, if you walked out your front door, you were outside. You know what I mean? Like, you were in, like, a hall, like that kind of setup. Yeah, yeah. And so I went over to this dorm, and this place was rocking. There was, (laughs) I mean, the dorm was jammed. There were people everywhere. I mean, it's college. I mean, it was you know, fairly warm out. I mean, there were girls everywhere. I ended up playing beer pong. It was, I had a great time. Did you become I, Frank the Tank that night? Yeah, I almost was, I think. Yeah, it came close. <laughs> and you're at like, let's go to the quad. People were looking at me at first when I showed up being like, who's this guy? Because I mean, i 26, but I don't really look like I was 26. I probably looked like I was 30, a little over 30, but <laughs> I managed to pull it off. I just decided, you know what, I'm going to be fun and be a good guy. Nobody will care, and that's what ended up happening. Uh, I, I went, another big part of it, too, is I went and bought some booze. That went a long way, too. <laughs> I picked up, like, they're like, ah, oh, that's what I, I got there. And I'm like, you know what, what will go over real good is if I get some beers. So, you know, usually in college, you know, you show up with a, you know, 12 beer, you know, just for yourself. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. So I, sh- I came back with a couple of kegs. Oh, then you were yeah, they, do you were the you were the mayor of that party. Yeah, they loved it. That you, was that's what tipped everybody in my direction. Is there is there a chance that you did a keg stand that day? Nah, uh, God, I might have. Yeah, <laughs> I might have. I mean, if I'm going to go to it, I might as well go all the way. Oh my gosh! You, so yeah, I, that's the story I remember you telling. And and I think like, did you stay over that night? Was there? Uh, yeah, I'm sure, I, I'm sure you made some friends. Or, uh, yeah, or, or, yeah, I made some friends. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I stayed somewhere that I didn't make it home. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> oh my gosh! See, that's I know that. See, I I went to a party in in uh, in North Carolina once, but it didn't end like that. I went to like I was. We shot a piece on Franklin Street. Yeah. Um, during Halloween, and there's like 40,000 people on the street. It was insane. The costumes were legit. And we ended up at this frat house where this pledge was in the basement. And the basement looked like it was a dungeon. Like, this basement looked like there were some of the founding fathers of the United States have done some dirt in this place. Yeah. Like, there's some like some congressmen and some senators that have, are familiar with this one particular house that just... Some violations were, some human violations were, happened in this place because it's dingy, like there was like one light on the wall. Yeah. Anyway, this pledge was serving drinks and he was serving, you ever be at a party where they're serving drinks out of a garbage can? So there's like a, oh, it, was yeah. like a play, it was like some kind of punch and the dude was oh, freezing yeah. and he's, yeah. you know, they put ice in there. So he just, he had, he didn't, he wasn't wearing any gloves. So his hand was going into this friggin' garbage can probably 800 times because it was filled and he was and he was serving drinks and this poor dude was freezing it was in the basement i was like oh my gosh yeah that that night was would have been described as uh as a gong show but it didn't end quite the same way for me as it did for you unfortunately yeah you can find some good i mean i've had a few good times on campus on different campuses i went to uh 
I brought up when I just went uh, a couple, it would have been like six weeks ago, me and Teddy Purcell went to, have you ever been to Florida State in Tallahassee? No, but that's, doesn't, wow. isn't, doesn't Florida State have the baddest chicks in college? It's either Florida it's State or Arizona State, right? Isn't that what the, what the I, word is? I think it, Arizona State is, I've never been there, but I heard that's unbelievable too, but Florida State is incredible. Did you I mean, go to a football game? Yeah, we went there for a football game. Clemson was playing Florida State earlier this year. So me, Teddy Purcell, and our friend Alan went, and we ended up, it was, honestly, this was one of the greatest setups I've ever seen. Like, long story short. No, no, was, tell the long story. Okay, well, we got there, we, so we're going to the football game. Well, what we ended up doing is, like, a group of guys, these guys are probably 40, 50 years old. They all went to, all went to Florida State, you know, years ago. What they ended up doing, like, 10 or 15 years ago is they ended up buying a house. They bought two houses, oh like gosh. rat houses, right like right in the middle of Florida State. And what they did is they turned it into old school, like from the movie. In real life? Real life. This is yeah. unbelievable. Real life. So we showed up to this thing, and it was packed. Like there were some college students there too, but it was a little bit older, you know, mostly people, a little, little bit more older crowd. You had to have like a ticket or whatever, a wristband to get in, but it was packed. But we went and did that, and it was unbelievable. The setup was great. We went to the football game. I mean, the talent, I mean, Teddy and I struck out, but the talent in that place was second to none. Oh, really? Like, if, I'm a, if I'm a football, I went to a Notre Dame game, too. Uh, this year went Notre Dame-Stanford. Uh, I had a lot of time on my hands with this soccer. <laughs> I went to Notre Dame-Stanford, and I did that by myself. I just went out. Christian Hansen from uh, the Providence Bruins said I should go, so I decided I just went. And I had a good time. Don't get me wrong. It was a great time, and Notre Dame has a great football tradition and all that. I know it's a real good school and everything like that, but I'm telling you what, if I'm a football recruit and I got Notre Dame and Florida State recruiting me, it's going to be – it would be a tough call not to go to Florida State. That right. place is incredible. I've um, – isn't, isn't uh, South Bend – isn't uh, – sorry, Notre Dame like a dry campus? Or can you get uh, can you get like a beer there at the game? No, like, yeah, no, you can't. Florida State was the same way, too. I, I think most of the stadiums, like, campus isn't dry. I don't think, but the stadiums are, you know what I mean? Really? So you have yeah. to drink, like, water or, like, a Pepsi the whole time? Yeah, like, in the stadium. Yeah, that was like that in Notre Dame. It's like that at Florida State. The only place that worked its way around it, another football game I went to this year, I went to Alabama. My parents were uh, went to the University of Alabama. So I was driving from Scottsdale to Tampa on September 1st. And I ended up, you know, I mean, we're driving. I was kind of, you know, went down through New Orleans, you know, New Mexico, West Texas, Houston, New Orleans. And then kind of we ended up, uh, you know, I was kind of going down. Then I looked on the schedule and there was an Alabama football game. So I kind of went out of Tuscaloosa, was a little bit out of the way, but went to a Tuscaloosa football game. And they had a setup where, if you sit in there, like, I don't know, there's a few thousand people in these sections. At the, the one end zone, for sure, I think the same thing was going on at the other end of the stadium, too. It wasn't the student section. It was, you know, you buy tickets or whatever and get in. But they had, it's a dry, like, you, you can't, you, if you go to a vendor, it, it's just pop and stuff. But in this section, all these people had lockers. And in what? your locker, yeah, so it would be up on the concourse. There was food and everything there. And then there was a room that had lockers. <laughs> and if you were a season ticket holder in this section, and I'm sitting down there and I see people drinking things in red cups, and I'm like, you know, people, you know, it doesn't seem to me like everybody's sober enough, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so I'm yeah. I'm like, I'm sitting beside these couple of these kids, and I'm like, hey, I'm like, 
what the hell are you drinking? And the guy's like, oh, he's like, you don't know how it works here? I'm like, no, I've never been here before. He's like, oh, come with me. So they all have these lockers, and it's like for an hour during the week on like a Tuesday or something, they open up the doors, and you can come up into your locker and stock it with whatever you want. Get out of here. Lock it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. So it's like <laughs> these guys, you get up, you go into your locker, you grab, you know, whatever, I mean, whatever you like to drink. And then it's like a full, you know, mixed ice, Coke, whatever, water, whatever you want to mix it with. And, yeah, it was a great setup at Alabama. That's um, that's amazing. So, wait, how big is this room? Like, how many lockers are in this room? There were there was two lockers, like one on each side. And it was, I mean, like two locker rooms, I should say. So, I would say, I mean, if I had to guess on how many lockers, there must it must have been about, there must have been 100 in each room minimum. Minimum. Right. And they were, well, minimum, I, I'm going to say more, a couple hundred at least. And, like, uh, I mean, the lockers, it wasn't like you just put one bottle in there. Of course, a yeah. Of beer. Like, you could, I mean, you could throw ten bottles in there. Right. So was it was it like one of those, like, little half lockers, and they had them, like, stacked on top of each other? Or was it like a full, like, high school, like a full length locker? No, it would be like, it would be like not a full length one. I would say the door of the locker was probably... Maybe a foot, a foot by a foot. Okay, so it's like what you'd see like in a gym, like your average yeah. fitness center gym. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah it'd be like a, a fitness center. You know, you, if you were actually, it was, if it was in a gym, you could put like your sneakers in your bag in there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. What yeah, a setup. Yeah, That's awesome. amazing. I like how that random day, that's like Tuesday, is the is like the reset day. It was when you can go and, and stock up. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, man, I got to get there. You know, oh, it's, yeah. it's, if it's only and it's only for sixty minutes too, so that's like a mad scramble to get there to you know to throw in a freaking case of uh, Coors Light or whatever it is. Oh or, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's I'm sure for that hour. I mean, I wasn't there for it, but I'm sure for that hour there are people filing in and out of those doors. <laughs> <laughs> so you've had a bunch of uh, college football, like a bunch of college football game experiences. That's like that's amazing. Like I, yeah, I mean, with wait, this wait, I had some free time. You know what I mean? So I'm like, you know, the, I was down in Tampa. So I'm like, the weekends would come and I'm like, well, you know, I should try and do something. You know, I'm skating during the week and working out during the week. I'm like, I should try and do things that, you know, I normally haven't been able or wouldn't be able to do. So college, you know, it was college football season. So yeah, I hit some college football, uh, I went to the Bahamas for a couple days. I went to that St. Pierre fight, actually, in Montreal. That was just a couple weeks ago. Oh, how was that? Yeah, that was fun. I was at his first one there. Uh, in Toronto? Uh, no, I think it wasn't. I think the first UFC ever was in Montreal, wasn't it? Oh. Yeah, well, like the back first, in... Sorry, two, the first, yeah, sorry, the first one to come to Canada, I believe, was in Toronto. I was in Montreal. I think you're right. In, I think it was like April of 2008, or May, or beginning of May, because... I got traded to, from Carolina to Ottawa. We lost in the first round to Pittsburgh, and it was that following weekend. Uh, St. Pierre fought Sarah and beat him with, like, like, just smoked him in the first round. And I'm pretty sure that was the first time UFC came to Canada, and it was rocking then. So I had a chance to go again this last time, and so I decided to go with the great. I mean, Montreal, I don't even have to talk about that. That place is unbelievable. Hey, is, does Montreal rank higher than Vancouver as far as talent and partying goes? Yeah. Does, oh, yeah. Like, is how how far above is Montreal from either Vancouver or Toronto? Like, it hurts me as a Torontonian to say that Montreal is the best party city in our country. It hurts me to say that, but I admit it because it's true. Yeah, um, I think, I think is Van true. is pretty close. I obviously I'm from TO, so I love TO. I get into some trouble here, but Van is a lot of fun. I gotta go. I I will give Toronto 
I haven't been out in Toronto as much as those other two cities, so I, I can't. I don't have as much experience there. But I spent a fair time from being out west. I spent a fair time in Vancouver, and from really liking Montreal, I spent a fair time there. And yeah, I mean, I got to put. In a, so I don't. I can't bring Toronto into it because I don't really know that well. But uh, yeah, I would say in, in my list it goes Montreal, Vancouver. For sure, for sure, Montreal won. Now, Mike, you um, you have the, you're part of a, a select, I don't know, maybe like 60 dudes, maybe 90 dudes that played in Calgary uh, during the, so like you guys had, like the explosion of the Red Mile, but also the explosion of Cowboys. When Cowboys sort of came into national prominence, um, I heard about it. My first time to Cowboys was in 2005, and then for a solid year, we shot. I shot like I don't know six episodes of Cabbie on the Street at Cowboys because I'm like this place is out of out of this world. But yeah. you played before it became sort of came to national prominence. Um, tell me about Cowboys in like the the early oh. the early 2000s, mid to oh. 2000s. I had my greatest night of my life there. Did I tell you that? No, please tell me now. Oh. Okay, the greatest night of my life. In a way, everything's kind of been downhill since then. <laughs> we were 2004, and we were on the playoff run. We had just beaten, we beat Vancouver in the first round, and we beat Detroit in the second round. So the city was already crazy because we, we made the playoffs. It had been a while. We beat Vancouver, who was number one seed or two, one or two, two, I think, or maybe three. The top three. We beat the top three anyways, but whatever they were, it doesn't matter. So we beat Vancouver, so everybody's pumped. We're supposed to get killed by Detroit. We beat Detroit. Now everybody's like thinking Stanley Cup. It's not just like, well, let's try and win a couple rounds. It's like maybe we can win the whole thing. So we beat Detroit. And after every series, we'd have a few days off. So, you know, during the during the, the, the series, like the days leading up and during the series, I would obviously not be doing anything. I'd just be, you know, resting. But, you know, after the series was over, I'm like, all right, you know, let's might as well celebrate for a night. Let's get after, so after it. Yeah, so after we beat Detroit, <laughs> it was me and or the Metallica was in town, and I'm a big Metallica fan. Really? Okay. Yeah, so I'd never seen Metallica before. So Metallica was coming to the Saddle Dome, and it was right in between series, right before we started playing San Jose. And Metallica, on a side note, was like huge. They're huge Sharks fans, which I didn't know until this night. So we end up going, going to the concert. I'm fired up. I'm excited anyways. It's Godsmack and Metallica. Godsmack was great. <laughs> and there's like probably like maybe seven, seven or eight of us from the Flames, and we're sitting, we're not on the floor. We have like seats that are like, I'd say halfway up, maybe 10 rows up the lower bowl. It'd be like right above the penalty box, kind of. So Godsmack plays, and... uh you know, the, the lights come on in between before Metallica comes on, and I'm sitting there. We're all sitting there. We're kind of chatting or whatever, and this girl is kind of over my right shoulder, and she's like, you know, I mean, I still stood out. I had long red hair and a red beard, so, you know, it wasn't hard to pick me out of a crowd. And so, you know, a girl tapped me. She's like, hey, you know, I'd really like your autograph. I'm like, yeah, you know, no problem. You know, it's no big deal. She's like, well, you know, I don't I don't really have a pen and paper. I'm like, well, I'm like, I don't, I don't carry pens and paper on me. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, you know, do you have anything else? She's like, well, I have this I think, mascara or something or some kind of makeup thing that's a pen or whatever. I don't know what the term is for it. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I think, is it mascara or lip liner maybe or something? Anyway, it whatever. wasn't a lip whatever. liner, but yeah, it was like something to do with your eyes. I think it was mascara or something. Anyway, it doesn't matter. You could sign stuff with it. And she's, I'm like, uh, she's like, well, I don't have any paper. I'm like, well, I'm like, 
I'll sign your chest. (laughs) (laughs) She looks at me. I'm like, she's like, okay. I'm like, all right. So the lights are on. The place is packed. She sits. So I'm sitting down in my chair. I couldn't stand up. It was jammed. So I'm sitting down in my chair. She puts her butt on my right shoulder. And like with her back, like she's facing the other way. So she's kind of above me. Her butt's on my shoulder. And she like leans back, so I have to like catch her head like kind of in my lap, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So her, 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 I guess her head was kind of resting on my thigh. <laughs> and she like rips her shirt up, and I grab, and obviously I sign, and the place went banana. <laughs> like, I'll tell you what, if there was any moment where I was like, I couldn't have been more proud, I think that was the moment. <laughs> so that happened, I was all fired up, and then Metallica came on, the concert was awesome, we went down and we met... Uh, we didn't meet Hetfield, but we met uh, the rest of the band. And then we ended up going to tie this in with Cowboys now. That's how I thought of it. Uh, you know, one of the, their bassists, I think, uh, not Kurt, I forget his name off the look, but uh, he was friends with Chris Simon. Uh, Simon knew him somehow. So he's like, hey, a couple of us looking to go out. Like, let's go out. And so we're like, all right, let's do it. So we ended up going to Cowboys. Oh, that's unbelievable. And it was, yeah, it was unbelievable. Like, Cowboys was always, I mean, it was great every night, but it was packed i mean we had the upstairs and so we're up there there was that's like where that's where was, that's where the dirt like that's where you get real grimy like away from sort of sort of the public is that upstairs area which is pretty big but like that's like yeah, no, it that's was, its yeah. own little playground yeah it was like there was the bar upstairs and there was the pool table so they had like that area roped off and there was people everywhere i mean it was unbelievable and then metallica showed up uh it was everybody everybody showed up except hetfield and it was the greatest night of my life. Like I was like, I was hanging out. I I talked to Lars, the drummer for, I mean, I must've been there till five, six in the morning. He was sitting on the pool table. We were just BSing for a couple hours. I mean, there were people coming and going. It was unbelievable. It was the greatest night out I've ever had. Did he ever, did he tell you any stories that you remember? Uh, you know, he was telling a lot of stories about like, I, he, honestly, he talked about quite a bit about hockey. I didn't even bring it up, but he, I mean, he knew, you know, that we were playing in town. And he ended up telling, like, a lot of stories about, like, the San Jose Sharks and uh, Ulf Dahlen's name came up a bunch. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, and he was talking about, you know, I would ask him some questions about, you know, you know, some of their concerts and where they like to go and what was going on. Honestly, I was just, like, sitting there, like, kind of, I mean, kind of starstruck a little bit. Right, I was right. like, oh, yeah, uh-huh. like, whatever you say, you could have said anything. I, I don't really remember anything in particular, but it was a great night. So, so in that room... Okay, you're at Cowboys. You guys have all kinds of visibility in the city. These guys have all kinds of visibility, like in the world. But you're in still in. But you're still in Calgary. So in that room, who is the bigger deal, the Calgary Flames or Metallica? Wow, good question. Um, God, I would have to say the Flames were. <laughs> wow, that's yeah. not. They're not that often that that's that's happened. I'm sure that they get big no, times. No, no. Like, I mean, it's not, I mean, it wasn't like we were out with like a or anybody, you know what I mean? It was like me. I mean, I, I'd been there for half a year. Uh, Brennan Evans was there. He's a guy, he's, he plays in Grand Rapids now. He, he's played two games in the NHL. Me and him were partners for games three and four of that series. Those are the only two games he's played in the NHL. Wow. He was with me. I mean, we just, we had a great time. It was, a, so it's not like we were hanging with like, you know, the big guys on the team. It was basically like the plumbers. and Yeah, it was fun. We had a great time. Do you remember where you woke up the next day? 
you know what? Yeah, I, I, it was right down. You know, Cowboys was right there on Ninth, and I was I spent the whole t- I was in the hotel there, the International Hotel, for six months. I made it home. <laughs> it was like a full five or six block block. Did you Did you have some friends? Yeah, oh, join yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> How many yeah. friends? How many friends? No, I, just, uh, I think just one or two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike, you're just you're unbelievable, man. You're that's just that's a, that's a pretty cool story. That's a pretty cool story. Oh, I I the, I don't have anything quite like I had uh, some fun nights at Cowboys, and you know you meet some friends, and then you you go eat or whatever, and get to know them, and that sort of that sort of thing. One of the first times that Dave and I, my, my producer Dave, went to Cowboys, we like we got so comfortable. Remember Doug Donald? Obviously, you remember Doug Donald, who was shout out to Doug Donald, who was the GM of Cowboys yeah. in in that in that those glory days. Yeah. And um, we got so comfortable with Doug Donald that he let Dave count the money, like at oh, the end wow. of the night. It was one of those kind of nights. so Dave was counting the money for the girls in the count room, and then he was critiquing them based on how much they made, and he made a girl cry. Because she didn't make as much as some of the other girls, I was like, it was uh, it was one of those kind of. Uh, it'd be amazing to kind of like over the years there, especially during that you know, fourth. But you know, before, well, they ended up uh, that Cowboys has moved. For people that don't know, it's moved now because they had that land was too valuable when the oil was booming in Alberta there. So they had, they you know they blew the bar up there and built a huge high rise there. But it'd be interesting to, to know like what that place pulled in. Oh my gosh! Like, During an average night, I mean, I see one of those cash count nights too, and, and it was—I mean, there was money everywhere. Dude, it was—I think during the stampede, it's—I don't know—they're oh, killing like, like a high five, like six-figure nights, like just by selling beer yeah. and friggin' sh- like shooter girls selling shots, and oh, yeah. oh, it was like, like dudes were just like it was like printing money. Like just uh, it was well, you like, get those. I mean, those girls. Those girls come in to work. I mean, obviously they have the regular girls that are there all year, and those girls are fabulous. But I mean, they get girls coming in from all over Western Canada, probably right. even further than that, just to work those ten days. Because I think those girls, if you you work, I mean, uh, those girls work hard. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that's a long <laughs> shift. that's a long <laughs> shift putting in there. But I mean, they make like fifteen grand, fifteen yeah. grand cash in ten days. Yeah, it's it's pretty. Legit. I know that. Like after the stampede, you'll I'll see on like. The book of faces, like chicks going to like Vegas or going oh, yeah. to Scottsdale, or you know, just taking these little you know four or five day exoduses to just go party because they don't get to party as much while they're yeah. working. Yeah. Um, that that crazy ten day stretch. They have their stampede after. Oh yes. Um. Okay. So the final story I'd like you to tell. Um. Just give me give me something from. Uh, from a rookie party. I'm sure you've experienced several, Ooh, and uh, okay. and maybe maybe you have maybe you play the position the role of like the quarterback. I learned like a few years ago. I was out with some guys from Washington that the star of the team isn't usually the guy that runs the team, like no. the guy that runs all the activities, the plans, the dinners, the nights out. Like there's one one or two guys that's like that's the quarterback of the move in. Well, for the L.A. Kings, it's Jared Stoll. He plays that role. And yeah. the first time I experienced it was when I was out with the Capitals and Sean Morrison, he was the guy on that team. It wasn't Ovechkin. It wasn't Semin. It was Sean Morrison. He's the dude. So yeah. in your days, you played for a few teams. Were you ever uh, – did you ever have to play that role as sort of the quarterback, the guy that ran the team off the ice? I, 
I quarterbacked a rookie party one year. That was I kind of half quarterbacked my years in Columbus because I was I was more one of the older guys then. So my years in Columbus, two rookie parties. I quarterbacked one. Uh, kind of did on one. We did one in Vancouver at Gotham. Uh, and then we went to the Roxy. I mean, it was a good night. I mean, nothing unbelievable, but it was a good night. And the one that I kind of quarterbacked, we ended up having our rookie party in Calgary. And I would love to say that it was like the best rookie party ever, but I don't want to lie. It was good, but we were coming in. It was like a Sunday or Monday, and it was kind of a tough night. Uh, oh, that is, yeah, that is tough. Yeah, yeah, it was tough. Like, there wasn't much going on. I, I tried. I mean, I tried everything I could. Uh, but we had a good time. We went to a nice restaurant. We went out. Uh, it was, you know, it was a Sunday night because we went to the Roadhouse. I remember, it's funny. I could, I could probably name off the bars that were busy on every single day there. <laughs> not from just playing there. I mean, it wasn't going out all the time when I was playing. But and I spent a lot of summers there too after that run in '04. Uh, so yeah, Calgary. I did, but I can't. I, I, I would love to take credit for putting together an unbelievable rookie party, but I can't, unfortunately. I've heard about some great. I heard Washington had some great ones. Oh, uh, you've heard? See, I was at, I was, I went to one. I've been What's to two, and I went to the one, the, maybe the one that you heard about, the one in Washington, the one the Washington guys. It was in Vancouver. Yes, that's and, the one I heard about. And they had, they had my boy Peter Gurgis, who like is like the mayor. He was like a, he's a restaurant guy. Has a bunch of restaurants, and my boy Bruce, Bruce knows all the women in Vancouver because he owns like nine nail salons. Yeah. So like just by like just by your clientele is just going to be oh, yeah, all yeah. these rockets and they had the the penthouse of the Loden Hotel and it yeah, was yeah that that is exactly what the one I heard yeah, I heard it was unbelievable was, you were there for that I sure was I sure there oh. were four Mike there were forty dudes and ninety females like everywhere you turned you're bumping into females it was that's great yeah, was, I've never been part of a rookie party like that. It was as legit as it sounds. I when, when I next time I see you, I'll I'll tell some stories. I can't tell those stories here, but yeah, yeah, no, I understand. Well, uh, <laughs> well <laughs> listen, man. Um, okay, wait. So, so the Roadhouse. Any anything? Uh, anything crazy happen? Like, did anybody end up in the you know the beer room at the Roadhouse? It's like that little kind of room downstairs. It's where they have the stacks and stacks of cake. And I think there's actually hay in that room. Did you ever? Did anybody end up in that room? They kind of have the stairs right kind of in the middle, right? It's, you go down the stairs to go to the bathroom. Well, no, yeah, that's yeah, that's the that's like the main staircase. But I think I feel like the like the beer room is like maybe it's not downstairs, but it's kind of off to the to the back corner. I think there's like uh, a there's like a an, an exit sort of, um, you know, there's a there's like a bar in the back corner, sort of. Yeah. Uh, in like if front, you, if if you walk in the front doors, is it in the back in the left or the back on the right? It's kind of the back straight. Okay, on the other side of the dance floor. Yeah, and it's it's back there, and uh, I think that's where the that room is. And oh, I've never been there. Yeah, there's there. I I I almost feel like I there was we were, I was we were sitting on a uh, a thing of hay, <laughs> uh, a, a new <laughs> a, a friend of mine, and uh, anyway, it was uh, Roadhouse was. Um, uh, Calgary's a great city. I tell you, I mean, I haven't spent as much time there in the last. Probably three. And I spent some of my summers out in Kelowna just because uh, I've been trying to golf more, and the weather's a little better there for golfing in the summers. Calgary is a great city. It it, it really is. It, it's Cal- awesome. Calgary changed my life. It's one of those places <laughs> that's changed my life. Um, well, listen, man. Uh, listen. Well, I'm in Toronto. You're in Hamilton, so you yeah, know. I'm mobile. Like we need to hook up. Is what we need to do. Do you have? Okay, you have a phone again. 
Yeah, I have a phone. I poked. I I switched my I switched to the iPhone right before I came here, and then I, I brought the other one with me too. So I just switched back. I have another one coming. But yeah, yeah, same phone. Yeah, okay. I got a cell phone. Well, let, well, listen. I'm here. You're here. So you're like you're like an hour away from Hamilton and, and Toronto, about an hour apart. So you can get I mobile. Think I need and, to be, yeah, I think what I need to be doing here is once I'm in game shape, I need to play a few games here, of course. Yes. But then once we. Well, if the schedule loosens up a little bit when I have a day off the next day, I need to be making that trek up the highway. Please That's do. What I need to be doing. Please do take that. Uh, take that 403. Um, I guess it's north or something. I, I take the 403 to the uh, to the Gardner Expressway. Get out at Spadina. My crib isn't too far from there. All right. Perfect. I'm uh, up. You can mark it. Yes, uh, Mike Commodore. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for the stories. And I, I, on t- what's your handle on Twitter? I follow you on Twitter, but like, is it M? Kami 22? No, M. Kami 22. C-O-M-M-I-E-2-2. Have you ever, when you get back into the NHL, can you please wear the number 64, please? Just wear 64. <laughs> just for the dudes that grew up in the 80s. Like, that would no. be like, you would be, it would just be amazing. Just to see Commodore 64. I know. I should. I, I know. I, I almost did last year in Detroit, and then I didn't because I was like, well, it's the Red Wings, and... You know, I didn't want to come in there and kind of look like I was going to be a party favor, but <laughs> as things turned out there, I mean, I could have worn any number. I should have just worn 64. <laughs> but, yeah, I will definitely put some thought into it. Please do, man. Uh, so, ka- at Kami, C-O-M-M-I-E, 22, on Twitter. Um, the, the, the player in the NHL who, to me, uh, defines the term beauty because he has a considerably, considerably high level of awesomeness because you're very funny. I appreciate you joining me, man, and and, uh, good luck the rest of the way, and hopefully I'll see you soon. Thank you very much. My pleasure, man. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Cabbie Presents, the podcast.